0: guys and welcome to the finance now podcast this podcast is purely for informational and educational purposes and it's my way of sharing my knowledge research and opinions with you i'm anurag birla and this week marked a bit of a historic moment as the s&p crossed 5,000 for the first time ever earnings did come from several interesting companies and obviously i'm not going to be able to cover all of them there were several earnings across various different segments but you know, I'm gonna focus a bit on, on tech and media. Now, I wanted to get the ball rolling with, with earnings from Palantir. So, for Palantir, shares were up 30% after the release of their quarterly earnings ending December. Now, the top line beat analyst estimates there was a clear sign of strong demand for for their AI offerings. Revenue came in at 608.4 million above what Wall Street was expecting, which was around 602.4 million. And revenue guidance for q1 was was lower than what the street had estimated coming in at 612 to 616 million versus what was anticipated to be 617 million. Now, Palantir has been known for for its defense and military contracts and their government connections. But, but what impressed me the most about this company this last quarter was the growth of its commercial business and the growth in demand for, for its commercial business. Now, this has predominantly been fueled by demand for large language models and AI, of course, but it fits well with what palantir are trying to do you know palantir are trying to scale their aip what's what's called their artificial intelligence platform and you know i think the largest surprise with with their earnings is how fast they are able to do it or seemingly how fast it appears that they are going to be able to do it so there is a lot of momentum behind this stock you know not just in terms of its price movement and how it's trading but also their growth and sales uh in the commercial segment and this is perhaps due to the wider implications of of the growing ai industry and all the hype that that kind of surrounds ai as as a sector or as a technology right now i will preface though with palantir their their firm that's trading at incredibly high multiples a forward uh P/E ratio of about 83 now this isn't necessarily bad because i guess if you look at the wider wider industry a lot of companies are trading at high multiples but it just means that there's a lot of growth priced in so the market expects this ai industry as a whole to grow at exceptional rates and you know while while this is the case i i do believe you know, while, while there is a case that these companies are overvalued, and this industry is just overvalued, I do believe that the commercial demand for AI solutions, not not just in the US, but globally, is going to rise exponentially. And I think, perhaps, you know, based on how Nvidia have performed over the last year, perhaps we're not seeing the true size of the market yet. And, you know, in this case, Palantir currently find themselves in what I believe a unique position where they're able to leverage, you know, both the government entity connections that they have, as well as target this commercial aspect of of the industry and leverage that area of their business. Now, staying on the the topic of AI, I, I wanted to move to a company that some of you may have heard of called Arm, Arm Holdings. Now, shares for ARM have have popped 60% in the last five days. If you look at the stock price graph, it, it looks insane. Reason being, they beat quarterly earnings expectations. And guidance was strong as well. Now, following a similar trend, this was due to the AI hardware demand increase, and AI demand in general. ARM as a company, the the stock is up nearly 90% since its IPO, it's almost doubled. And it's interesting because the key way they make money, they, they don't manufacture or they don't make chips. The key way they make money is through royalties. And these are royalties and products made by companies who license their designs. So these companies that license their designs include customers like Nvidia, Microsoft, Alphabet, Qualcomm, and many more. Now, Arm produced better than expected earnings this last quarter. Their fiscal Q3. But the guidance for the next quarter in terms of royalty revenue seems to be even better. And this is primarily driven due to their V9 processor architecture. The good thing about this... The good thing about Arm as a company is that the more chips that are being designed, the better for them, right? The more chips that are being manufactured, the more chips in demand, the better for them. They benefit off this entire industry growth. And AI-enabled smartphone demand is something that has been increasing. And this is Arm's bread and butter. And this is what's going to help them drive more accelerated growth, right? Their market share in the uh, smartphone market, I think, is... I read somewhere is above 99%. It's basically their market, and it's huge. But there's, so when you talk about growth, maybe there's not so much growth in terms of market share capturing there, but there's growth in the industry as a whole. And when we talk about, you know, market share growth and what they can eat into, maybe we can say things like automotive and cloud servers, or, you know, their CPU and laptop computer space, where they can gain market share from players like Intel, IBM, or even AMD. And, you know, as I mentioned, automotive and cloud servers, these are these are areas where where they continue to look for growth and continue to expand their their business strategy and and product offerings. The risk with Arm as a company, though, is is that if you look at the last quarter, China has been the main contributor Um, to the better than expected results that they saw. Now, I I, I tend to wonder, I'm not a geopolitical expert. I'm not a lawyer either, but I tend to I tend to wonder whether the tensions between US and China, especially when it comes to chips and chip manufacturing, as we saw with ASML, I wonder whether this is going to start to affect the ability for ARM to operate in China. You know, not not sure. Again, at the moment, no, it doesn't seem to be the case, but obviously it depends on how far the tensions go, how far it escalates. I guess another risk with this company, one could say is um, the overvaluation. Arm is trading at a Ford PE ratio of 86X. Now, if you compare that to Nvidia's, NVIDIA and AMD, which, In my opinion, both those companies have had huge run ups and trade at serious premiums, right? Nvidia's forward PE ratio is 34.36 and AMD's is 50 or 51 somewhere in between. Arm is trading at a huge, huge premium in comparison to these two. And that's what's stopping me from buying this stock is I don't know if that premium compared to Nvidia and AMD is warranted at all. And that's what's going to keep me away from this stock personally. But you know for the people that obviously bought it during IPO days or maybe when it dipped from its IPO, they're obviously having a ball of a time at the moment and are likely very happy, and they probably don't want to get rid of this company anytime soon. If I were them, I'd probably probably sell a few shares, um, sell a portion of it and, and hold on to the rest. But again, that's not investment advice, it's just what I would do in, in that situation. Now I, I want to pivot not entirely away from AI, but I, I want to talk about Roblox. I've spoken about this company, you know, several times before on, on the podcast. It's it's one I own. It's it's a company I like. Now, I don't want to spend too much time here, but I, I want to talk about Roblox because I I do feel like the narrative behind this company is that it has been a metaverse play that has just fallen flat. It was one of those pandemic darlings that everyone where everyone thought the metaverse was going to be a thing. But, you know, it'd be silly, in my opinion, to think that the metaverse and AI as industries are mutually exclusive. For me, Roblox is sure, predominantly a metaverse play. But it's also a company that could hugely benefit from AI, you know, and I I think as much as it could from from the entire metaverse trend. If we look at their earnings a bit, their fourth quarter earnings, they are pretty solid. I mean, shares rose 10% after Roblox beat estimates on both the top and bottom line, as well as they issued strong guidance going forward. So no surprise that markets reacted positively there. It's still not a profitable company. It's not even EBITDA positive, but the losses per share are shrinking at a faster rate than analysts expect. And revenue, or what Roblox like to call bookings, is growing at a faster rate than analysts expect. So both these things in conjunction are obviously good pieces of news. Last quarter bookings, or last quarter revenues, were the highest Roblox as a company has ever seen. And now this is primarily due to the increase in daily active users, which is up 22% from a year ago. And that's steady growth in in the last two quarters. Up 22% ago, I refer to their bookings. Now, this is, This is great for for the company. It's it's showing that they're they're able to monetize and grow their user base at an effective rate. And their demographic is not just youngsters in America anymore. They're expanding their footprint internationally. They're targeting a demographic across a wider age range. And, you know, they're focused on growth all over the globe. They have this goal to have a billion daily active users, and i I don't they're pretty far off at the moment. I don't know if they'll ever get there, but the closer they get, the better for the company, of course. And with Roblox, you know, as I mentioned, costs have been growing at a slower rate than revenue, which is which is a good sign, but if you look at the next year or so, guidance still forecasts a loss. My take on on Roblox is that it can be a great AI play you know they're looking to leverage generative ai they have done so in a few ways already to help uh you know developers create games on their platforms make it more interactive and i think the scope that they have with this going forward is huge they also have a massive digital advertising opportunity going forward and we've seen how lucrative and profitable that has been for companies such as meta um alphabet netflix So in my opinion, I I do think Roblox is a good stock. I don't see why there's no clear path to profitability here. You know, if they just continue, they've been crushing it quarter over quarter. If they just continue on this path, I think they'll get closer to that profitability uh, tunnel and they're going to see the light at the end of it. And it's going to be good. I, I think that's when the stock will really take off when investors really see that light at the end of the tunnel. But this is what growth investing is, right? You have to... You have to sort of put your eggs in baskets that, and have beliefs that maybe other people don't entirely share. If you look at the multiples here a bit, their EV revenue multiples significantly lower than other AI stocks. And of course, I say this with caution because Roblox is not a pure play AI company. I do not think it warrants as much of a premium as pure play AI companies do. But I do think it warrants a higher EV revenue multiple of 10x. And those are, again, my personal opinions. It's one I'm going to hold on to. It's a stock I like, it's a company I like, and it seems to have been doing well. Um, And I'm excited for for the direction it takes and where where it goes in the future and how it can leverage AI in its systems as well. Moving on to another company I, I wanted to discuss, and this is PayPal now paypal is an interesting one it's it's a company that's so far off its all-time highs as a share value it's had leadership struggles you know and finding a new ceo there's not been much to celebrate if if you have been a shareholder over the last few years paypal's fourth quarter earnings played you know a similar role to what we've seen from them here as well earning itself was strong you know nothing bad to say. EPS was one a dollar forty eight adjusted versus a dollar thirty six, which was what was expected. Revenue came in higher than expected, coming in at eight point zero three billion versus seven point eight seven billion that was expected. It's up nine percent from a year ago. Net income rose fifty two percent from a year ago, so that was a big jump. Payment volume was also up fifteen percent from from a year ago. So what actually caused the stock? price to drop 8%. That was the disappointing guidance. So once again, the trend that guidance trumps earnings is in full flow here. The company anticipates full year earnings of $5.10 per share, and that's below the $5.48 per share that analysts had expected. Now, one thing I find interesting about PayPal is that, you know, I think most companies would want to provide longer term guidance. But In this case, PayPal, I think the CFO mentioned that they wanted to scrap annual guidance and provide outlooks on a quarterly basis. While it's a bit counterintuitive, I think it makes sense because there are a lot of changes going on within the company. You know, they've laid off 9% of their workforce. They're obviously including implementation of AI and trying to adjust to structural changes that they're seeing. So for me with PayPal, it's, it's a turnaround story I want to believe in. You know, they've shown clearly that they can monetize their business. Their net income rose 52% from a year ago. They're looking to lean out the company a bit, so cut costs. And I do believe that their annual guidance could just be a case of mediocre guidance, and then they come in and smash expectations. You know, the one thing I worry about maybe is the number of active users being lower. But with transaction volumes increasing you know it kind of hedges that that metric and the biggest battle i think leadership face is retaining users and customers and maybe even growing that and hopefully i think with this new strategy with more ai implementation and innovation at the company you know we saw their announcement of fast lane and smart receipts and there were several more ai um ai plays that they wanted to make you know i do believe that they can turn things around and hopefully as as they've mentioned hopefully this transition year of 2024 for paypal can yield positive results in earnings next year kind of like what we saw with meta and their year of efficiency the last stock i i wanted to talk about shifts away from this ai space and this tech space and moves more into media and entertainment and obviously it's it's one of the biggest news of the week disney earnings now based on how the stock price reacted one would imagine that they've seemingly started their comeback fiscal q1 adjusted earnings for disney beat estimates by 25.77 percent. that's smashing estimates with year-over-year growth of 23.2 percent this was the main reason why the stock jump jumped Revenue rose 0.2% year over year, slightly lower than consensus, but shares have been up 9% this year. So it's done, done pretty well if you got in at the start of the year. If we break down the segments though a bit, I think we can see a bit more about how the company is doing. Their media and entertainment distribution is down 6.5% year-over-year. Linear Networks is down 12.5% from a year ago. Their direct-to-consumer business increased 15% year-over-year. Content sales and licensing is down a whopping 38.4% from last year. Parks and Experiences is up 6.9%. And domestic re- within Parks and Experiences, domestic revenues is up 3.7%, but international revenues jumped 34.9%. Now, consumer products also dropped 1.5% year over year. So if we kind of look at all these things, the bright spots are just their direct-to-consumer and Parks and Experiences segments. But breaking down their direct-to-consumer which includes all their streaming services we saw that disney plus lost subscribers on a quarterly basis hulu gained some paid subscribers sure but disney plus lost lost subscribers espn plus also lost subscribers on a quarterly basis so i guess what what helped their revenue was disney plus domestic average revenue saw an increase and maybe that increase was larger than than what the international average revenue per subscriber saw, which was a decrease. And this was primarily due to promotional offerings. You know, I don't know. Looking at all those pieces of information, I don't know if I liked what I saw because we see that Disney are not making as much revenue per subscriber internationally because they're promoting, you know, primarily due to promotional offerings. But we also see that disney plus are losing subscribers on a quarterly basis so is their promotional offerings working i'm not too sure i mean it is too soon to tell but I, i'm just not sure i liked what i saw i'm not sure if i'm convinced with this turnaround story another thing that perhaps boosted the stock price was that they announced um a 50 percent increase in their cash dividend and Obviously, the streaming loss narrowed, you know, things were just better than expected. That doesn't necessarily mean things were good. They were just better than expected. I think there is a lot of hype in Disney as well because there are certain new elements to their strategy. They announced their 1.5 billion dollar investment into Epic Games, the holder of Fortnite as one of their largest names. And this is Disney's single largest entry into the world of gaming. Now, they're following suit of kind of what Netflix has done. You know, they're gaining that exposure into into something new and trying to build a more robust ecosystem of content. Disney need to figure out how to lean out their costs and attain profitability. You know, streaming profitability is, is great. And if that's on the cards and they're narrowing their losses, that's great. But what about the rest? I mean it's a pretty high cost business. And I truly believe in in this day and age of media and the amount of access we have to streaming content is king in this business. And unless Disney figure out how to make their content more likable to the masses, they're going to struggle. You know, and I, I will say this may be controversial because it goes against kind of Disney's identity. But I don't know if just franchises are the way to go. I know that's what Disney has done their whole my entire life at least you know it's their bread and butter but i think people are exhausted with the idea of following long storylines you know and having to drag over you know five movies, three shows in order to understand what's really happening i just i just wonder whether some good effective one-hit wonders from disney would help get them back on track and help consumers take them more seriously as a company you know i do think that at the moment they're just trying to do so much right they have their their parks business they have their streaming business they have their sports streaming business that they're trying to get going and they also now have this gaming business i i know you have to spend to grow and many times that's seen as a positive thing i just don't know if this is spending efficiently or spending in a way that is going to yield a net benefit and net positive for disney i hope it does because it's a company that represents a lot of people's childhood and it's it's obviously an emotional company for many people but i i just wonder is this really leaning out the business is this is this making it more operationally efficient i don't know i feel like disney should take a page out of Comcast's books and I would have liked to see them steer away from gaming and, to be honest, focus on streaming profitability a bit more. But, you know, maybe maybe this will be good in terms of gaining new subscribers and gaining new customers. I guess we'll see in, in the coming quarters and, and the coming years as to how this kind of unwraps. All in all, that sort of wraps up this week's episode of Earnings and News. If you did make it this far, I thank you for listening. Once again, I'm Anurag Birla, and this is the Finance Now podcast.